Warning, this fourth installment of Spark Interview Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, wacky situations, our favorite secret agent utilizing wacky gadgets, menacing specter leaders with eye patches, men with various faces, pools filled with deadly sharks, a new Felix lighter, and lots of puns. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, James Bond 007, Thunderball. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark in Motion Picture Review, the Spirekin's podcast where we talk about movies new and old. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. Yes, and we are back for another fun-filled episode of this wonderful podcast brought to you by www.spirekin.com. The podcast that provides informative reviews about connectly enhanced narratives and... Uh, yeah, let's get to it, shall we? Because this is our fourth installment of our Bondathon. I think we're going to stick with that name right now because that's what we're going with. So we'll be covering all of the James Bond films up to No Time to Die, the 25th James Bond film. And it's pretty cool because there's been so many Bond films. 25 of them, in fact. 24. Because the 25th one hasn't come out yet. That is true. And this one is a very unique film. But beforehand, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. As I said, Sparkin's podcast provides four interviews about connecting and enhanced narratives. Every episode we talk about one or two movie or manga titles. We tell you the pros and cons about how the art style is, characters, overarching plot, the ad campaign, the openings, and if it's worth investing your time in or not. You don't have to agree with anything that we say. We try to be educational exciting, informative, and most importantly, entertaining. You can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, YouTube, and various other social media sites. Just type in Spirekin. I guarantee you'll find us one place or another. And hope you guys have been doing well. Now we've got all that out of the way, let's get to it because we're on to our fourth Bond film, one that came out in 1965, which was a long time ago. Very. Most of our listeners weren't even alive back then. We weren't <laughs> alive back then. But, but still, Bond was. Bond was alive. Especially this one because this is one of those films that's very polarizing. Because on the one hand, this is, in the United States, North America, the most profitable Bond film adjusting for inflation. So apparently this Bond film made the most films. A lot of people don't like it though. It's not their favorite. So it's kind of a weird situation. Also, but is it because that the first, you know, the first three really build up to it? So it's like by the time this one came out, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they didn't have people reviewing it like us to say, no, it's not the best one ever. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. The big thing is that, one, this is the first Bond film to create that concept of the movie being over two hours long. Yes. This is the first of them which establishes that Bond films have to be long movies. Titanic could never have become what it is today without this movie. Without Thunderball. The other thing is that this movie would have been the first Bond film. Really? If not for legal disputes, which we'll get to in a bit. Because this is directed by Terrence Young, the director of the first two Bond films. He didn't do the last one because of legal disputes. But he's back again. So this one goes back to some of the story plots from Dr. No and from Russia with Love. 
Also, cool fact, the ad campaign for this incorporated 007 into the logo because it says, look out. Here comes the biggest bond of them all. And look look, and look out is L007 with a K on it. So that's kind of cool. And this was produced by Kevin McClory, not by Harry Setsum and Albert Broccoli. Now, why is that? Well, because after the book came out in 1961, there was a huge legal legal lawsuit based about the screenplay about the uh, transition from James Bond going from book to film. And this is a huge issue, huge argument. Eventually, this got settled out of court, and the deal for it was that, one, he gets... uh, Kevin McClory gets rights to the film story, the plot, he gets the in charge of it and he gets sole producer credit on the movie broccoli and saltzman were still the executive producers but they were not allowed to like a most merch it doesn't say broccoli on it so it's kind of crazy and also it's interesting this it's crazy this would have been the first one because later on broccoli decides around 83 to make a second adaptation of this movie hmm. called never say never again but then, of course, McClory is still the executive producer, so throws it out the window because he had legal rights for just this story itself. So that's why the story, it's like, I don't get it that why this story, why Thunderball? Because it's not really the best of the stories, even though this does build a lot of the world building in this. But I digress. So this is based for on. For me, this one goes really down the wormhole. It gets weak, it goes crazy a little bit, but this is based on Thunderball by Ian Flemings. Uh,. It made a grand total of $141 million with the original budget of $9 million, so we could see why it was. This is an hour, two hours and ten minutes, so 130 minutes. It seems like it's two hours longer. Mm-hmm. It drags like no tomorrow. And to top it off... Well, especially when some of the scenes are looped. A lot of scenes are looped. <clears throat> right, so like some of the fight scenes and all of that, like some with some of them like obviously being looped. Also, the other thing is this one incorporates when they're fighting, they put it into fast forward and it's like obvious fast forward, not like little judo choppy. It's no, it's like janky. Yeah, this is before Jackie Chan was doing his own stunts on everything, you know? Yes. So this is a huge cast. I mean, you had, um, first off, you have Bernard Lee returning as M, Lois Maxwell returning as Many Penny, Desmond Llewellyn returning as Q. At this point, it's a full-fledged franchise. At this, yes, it is. So there, people are going to return. Now we have Rick Von Nutter appearing to replace Jack Lord and the other guy, the new Felix Leiter. This is the third Felix Leiter we've had, and he is better than the last one, but he's not as good as Jack Lord. This one fits a little better, but eh, we'll see. Um, we have Paul Stasino as Francois Derval or Angelo Palassi. A member of Spectre who changes his face for certain reasons. He's also related to the main Bond girl in this movie. You have Guy Dolman playing Count Lippe or Spectre number four. Mm-hmm. You have Philip Locke as Vargas, the henchman who gets a point. <laughs> you have. Does he get speared? Yep. You, you got, got the point. <laughs> yes, har har. The puns just keep rolling. Yes, the puns are strong in this one. You have Luciana Puluzzi as Fiona Volp, the femme fatale Spectre agent, who uses a rocket, a rocket-powered 
a bicycle to blow up somebody and then run off. You have um, Claudie Auger as Domino, who she's voice dubbed by Nikki Kandervall. And she is our main villain's mistress. She's the main Bond girl. Her name's Domino or Dominique Derval, sister to Francois Derval, which gives her motivation for this. And I didn't know she was dubbed. Neither did I. And then finally we have Adolfo Selly as Emilio Largo, voice dubbed by Robert Riddy, or as we know him, Spectre Number 2. Why so many voice dubbings? Different country. And this movie also has a bunch of unnamed Spectre leaders. We have Spectre number 3, number 5, number 7, number 8, number 9, number 10, number 11, and we have number 1 again, but we don't see him. We still won't see him. We see just the cat, and we see number 1 just sitting there. And can we just say how soft to the cat? The cat is beautiful and fluffy, and you can see in different aspects of like some of the scary bite scenes, like the kitty gets scared. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how far Spectre is enveloped in this one. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But then last and not least, we have playing 007 James Bond again. Sean Connery! Yes, this is his first fourth out, his fourth outing, and he is doing well at this. He's still kicking ass, and he's still playing James Bond, that debonair uh, uh, spy man of mystery who has an interesting job in this one. And it actually opens up where he is attending a funeral. And the funeral is an operative inspector, Colonel Jacques Bouvert, who murdered two other MI6 agents. And when he goes there, he sees the, the, the grieving widow. And then he goes to meet the grieving widow. Well, <clears throat> he watches the widow. When the widow goes to the car, she opens the door for herself, and then James knows. He's suspected, but he knows. Turns out... Bull- what? Wait, what do we... What does he know? We don't know yet. Yes. We wait till James follows him, and then punches him, and rips off his hat to reveal that it's not the grieving widow. It's the guy faking his own death. Yes, it becomes a huge fight sequence, and that leads to him escaping with a jetpack. And at first, it's definitely a girl. And then when he... When she gets to the car, she's still a girl. And then when he walks into the room, it's definitely still a girl. And then when he pulls off the hat... It's a guy. It's a guy. Yeah, so it's it's a very fast fight sequence. And then he ends up running off and he goes... He gets out of jetpack and flies away, which you're like... Because okay. he has a jetpack. It's like, okay, now the gadgets have gone slowly crazy. It went from, okay, okay, he has a homing beacon. That's plausible. Now he has a jetpack. But the jetpack still, like, there's the... I get it. Film wasn't what it is like today, where the cutting, cutting and pasting was perfectly seamless. There's like little skips and things like that. Like as an audience, you're expected to glaze over some things. Um, but the jetpack doesn't seem very pl- plausible because it's still fairly slow. Yes, you fly up and you can fly over, but the henchmen people were still able to follow you. Yes, yeah, so he ends up getting back to his Aston Martin DB5, which was rebuilt from last time. We thought it got destroyed in the last... We didn't even talk about how it got destroyed. That was a very awesome chase sequence, but... It gets destroyed by using everything it possibly has and still getting things hit against it. Yeah, he gets tricked with a mirror and crashes the car. This time it's been fixed. He's, he's running off. He's helped by a French agent. And this is the beginning of this film. Nice, open moment. Not as debonair as him coming out of the fish suit wearing the suit, but it's pretty awesome. 
And then we get the point of this is definitely a Terrence Young film because we get Spectre. And more importantly, we get all of Spectre. The higher-ups of Spectre, the leadership of Spectre, are having a meeting. And you see how involved they are. I mean, you have number f- the new number three, because number three was replaced finally, so, sl- so Rosa Klebb was replaced. You had number five, a new n- number five, because the first one got killed. And he made a great train robbery. You had number seven, who was blackmailing the Japanese government. You had number nine who is embezzling Spectre funds, and because of that, he gets in a little bit of trouble. You know, he gets punished a little bit. You have a French Spectre member who is assassinating a French defector to the USSR. You have an American member who's dealing drugs. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy how... how it's like... like a hydra. You, You cut off one head, two more show up, and it's... And they have their hands in everything... And you see how messed up it is. And we're introduced to the number two, mm-hmm. who is Emilio Largo, who also is a Bond villain that does something that a lot of spy films from this point on will have. Emilio Largo is the spy villain with an eye patch and the white suit. He looks like a villain. Yes, this, this established that eye patches are for bad guys. Traveling with his niece. Oh, God, his niece, yes. And his plan is very simple. Similar to Goldfinger's, where Goldfinger's was, I'm going to blow up millions of dollars. His is, we're going to steal two nuclear bombs and hold NATO for ransom. Easy. And how's this plot going to work? They're going to have a someone impersonate a pilot, hijack the plane, and then steal the plane. Mm-hmm. However, the place that the guy's getting surgery is also being... Where James is recovering. Because he got injured. And so they end up getting into a fight. And it actually opens up with a scene of him being tortured. Or he's getting his back stretched with a back track... Was the spinal traction machine? Mm -hmm. And the bad guy puts it on super high to snap his back. And that's actually a harrowing moment. Even though that's totally like camera shaking. And he passes out. And he almost dies with it. And then, he doesn't, because he's James Bond. He doesn't. And then from here you... In fact, s- even after that, he's able to have relations. Yes, with the with the psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Who you think would be a bad guy, but wasn't a bad guy. You, mm. you thought that she was the bad guy. She's not the bad guy. However, another patient at this uh, sanatorium is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Is one of the bad guys. You find out her later on. However, so we have this happen at the sanatorium at this hospital. And then the heist goes look simply. They in, infiltrate the airplane, they knock out the crew, and then they steal the plane and kill everybody else. They poison them all, mm-hmm. steal it, and then they hide the plane underwater in a very cool well, sequence. Well, they, they, he pilots a plane because it turns out that not only does he have to change his face so that he looks like the guy, but they also take him to pilot lessons and all of that. So he flies the plane... He lands it in the water, perfectly sinking it to the ground, and then the rest of the crew has died. And it, then divers are there waiting to put a canopy over, and, you know, he was supposed to be rescued, but... And everything's going to be all good, but they end up killing him. Right. Straight up killing him. And now... And now they have two nuclear missiles. Yes. And now it's James Bond has found out what's going on. He goes back to MI6 at a conference and they discover that Spectre is 
demanding $100 million from NATO in exchange for returning the bombs, and they'll destroy a major city in the U.S. or the U.K. within seven days. So you have a ticking clock situation, and you have... You have one week. One week. And now, in order to figure out what's going on, he's going to have to go to another exotic location, this time to Bermuda. And the reason why is that they found the dead pilot, who is um, Francois Derval. So they say, find out, find his sister, Domino, and find out what she knows. Yep. Maybe she knows. And then he ends up beating Domino in a very flirty way. And he ends up breaking his, he goes snorkeling, kind of injures her. And he's like, oh, I got a cramp. Could you help me out here? And oh, my boat, it's not working. Oh, no. Can you take me to the shore? And his, and his quote, unquote, girlfriend or partner is there. It's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Send help. You know, they all know. And they end up going to a casino. And this scene is pretty cool. It's, uh, what are they playing? Are they playing Baccarat? Um, yes. Yeah, so they end up going to there. He ends up meeting Domino's quote-unquote uncle, mm-hmm. Emilio Benefactor. Lago. Benefactor. They call him a lot of different things. We know. Domino's his mistress. Yeah. And they end up playing a game, James wins, but also, as they're talking, they kind of hint at each other, like he says, oh, I see a specter with you. Specter? Mm-hmm. The specter of defeat. So they know that they're both... They're like, I know you, you, you know, know me. me. But I'm not going to know you, you're not going to... But we're pretending that we don't. It becomes this very tense cat and mouse game that I really do enjoy and think it's well done in this film. That's one of the better parts is that interaction between the two. Then Q shows up because he came to Bermuda because he needs a vacation. Mm -hmm. And he gives a bunch of really cool gadgets. And uh, the gadgets for this one are a homing pill. So they decide to take the homing beacon from from Goldeneye, which was the size of a microchip, the size of a thumbnail. Which was in his shoe originally. Yes, and now they made it a giant horse pill. Which is better because if you're dealing with things in water and swimsuits, where are you going to stick it? Yes. They gave him a rebreather, which is kind of cool, an air supply, a portable air supply. Super cool. They gave him the first of many of watches. Mm -hmm. This is the first Mm -hmm. Bond watch. And this one has a Geiger counter in it. He also gives him a camera with a Geiger counter. So he has he's souped up with Geiger counters. They gave him... Because a, it's all about finding the nuclear atomic bombs. True. They gave him a mini flare gun and they gave him a skyhook. Also, before I forget, during this film also, he ends up using the twenty two rifle that is the standard issue from Russia with Love. Mm-hmm. He uses it at some point to use the scope. So... Kind of cool. It's kind of cool seeing that come back. And there's a couple other things, like there's distress beacons and all this other stuff. And then he tries to find the bomb, doesn't find it. Uh, And he ends up breaking into Largo's uh, headquarters, Mm -hmm. which that scene is awesome because you find that Largo has a pit full of sharks. He's a swimming pool of sharks. He feeds people to sharks. And then James gets away because he uses, well... (laughs) He the two he has a swimming pool for sharks and a swimming pool and they each have a ton it has a tunnel that connects them so he tries to kill Bond goes into the water with a henchman and they close the top lid on it thinking that ah he can lose a henchman but at least Bond would be dead and then he opens the gate so then Bond waits for the Bond kills the henchman and the sharks eat him while they're feasting on him because of the blood. He sneaks out. He sneaks through the tunnel into the other pool, which doesn't have a, it sealed off so he can get out. However, when he gets out, because he's supposed to be Domino because it's become a whole, like, he's 
going to escort Domino to a party. It's called a Jankaroo celebration. Yeah, it's like the, the huge celebration on Bermuda. Um, the girl we talked about earlier, Fiona Volpe, goes to kill him. Mm-hmm. And she is, as we said with Pussy Galore in the last episode, she's a femme fatale who isn't interested in that he's the best. Mm-hmm. That he's amazing and bad. She'll have sex with him, but in the end, she doesn't care. She wants him dead. But she's she doesn't she's whereas before, the girls would, you know, sleep with him and then realize that they were the bad guys, and then no, you know, James can save them and they'll be good guys now. And that's how he turns them. You know, she's one of the women that and will she, sleep with him and just be like, no, I'm a bad guy and I will always be a bad guy. And thanks for sleeping with me. She admits it. And she tries to kill him and it becomes a very tense chase. And here's something else. The superhero bulletproof vest does not show in this film. Yeah. James gets injured. He gets shot in the leg. Yeah. And he, and that's why he's bleeding. Yeah. And they're catching him because he's bleeding and limping. Mm-hmm. And he ends up getting into a, a party and it becomes a very cool dancing cat and mouse scene in where they're going to kill James. He's dancing in the middle of the room. Uh, Fiona gets him. She's going to get him shot because she's like, you can't get away from us. And then he turns the tables and she gets killed instead of him. And then he quickly covers her the bullet wound on her with his hand. She dies pretty instantly. He sets her down in a chair. Because this huge party's going on across the entire island, nobody realizes. And he just goes, well, she's just she's, she's just dead. <laughs> and then walks away. Yes. And from here, we see him getting into... Um, he talks to Domino, tells her what's going on. She ends up agreeing to help him. She gets captured. And then it becomes a huge fight in Miami Beach. Underwater, which is a very weird scene, because first James pretends he's one of Largo's henchmen. Uh, he discovers the plot. They uh, capture him. He escapes, and then becomes a whole fight underwater, which is uh... it's <clears throat> you want it to be an amazing fight underwater. It ends up looking like West Side Story, the Jets versus the Sharks. The sharks. It's the black swimsuits versus the orange, crappy-looking swimsuits, and just... And then they loop around some of the same things. It's not as fast, but then some parts, they've sped up the film. Like, it wants to be this epic fight scene underwater, but it... It's it's an epic fight scene. It's the first time it's a choreography done, but it just is... I don't... I find it boring. I find it not as great as you expected. I mean, a lot of people are going to say, you're wrong, it's a great fight sequence, but it's just kind of like... I think it might have been a really great fight sequence for its time, but we, we've seen too many movies. You know, we're here in 2020. and We've seen so much more. And right. it just, it just it's a all right fight sequence. You know, like it's, you can get up and get yourself another soda during it. Like, if, you don't miss it, out. It's cool to, to look at, but it's just kind of, it, it feels like the old um, cowboy and Indian, and they're fighting in the old battle movies where they're going back and forth and they're, you know. It's when you would look down in your popcorn box to find that last M&M that made it into the corner (laughs) and then know that you didn't miss anything when you look back up again. Yeah. But then it gets onto his ship. The cool part is that Largo's ship breaks apart and the front is actually like a hydrofoil. And he has a huge smoke screen, too. Like, that's a a really... One of the best gadgets, I think, and it's not even the good guy's gadget. Yeah. He puts this huge smoke screen and then the front detaches and then jets off like he's gonna get away and then bond gets on the boat they're fighting and one of the cool things is that one of largo's henchmen 
turns on him to save the girl because mm-hmm. he's supposed to torture the girl and he's like this is too I've, this is he's too like, much no. yeah uh get let's domino go free and then bond is fighting largo and then largo dies not because bond kills him but domino shoots him in the back with a harpoon gun yay domino and then it just ends where they get rescued and it's kind of sexy sexy again uh we didn't even speak about how um how uh vargas the one henchman dies we did but like vargas is like just the goon that's kind of there he gets shot with a harpoon it just randomly he's like i think vargas is coming <laughs> just kills him no he got the point no witty banter but so compared to the other ones here's the the pluses one largo is a bigger than life villain He's charismatic, he's intriguing, he does the evil spy perfectly. He's got the cool villain lair with the pool with... Sharks. Yeah. And unlike Blofeld in this film, which you don't really see, Largo is more the face of Spectre at this point. Mm -hmm. From here on out, we're going to see Blofeld more and more. But Largo is the big villain um goldfinger while he was a very bigger than life bad guy this one i don't know largo just seemed more menacing at times well also goldfinger like cheated by using help in like a small rinky card game whereas this guy he goes to casinos he dresses up debonair he's got the trophy girlfriend on his on his arm like like there's a lot of the other things that make him kind of larger than life villain he's more of a, a villain boss than right. Goldfinger was just kind of like small time in my opinion even though he had a huge idea however his henchman Vargas is forgettable if you didn't look up his name you wouldn't know he's Vargas is the, he has like two lines where oh it's Vargas yeah he was kind of creepy and Fiona is a villain she's a big henchman but she's not really great and there's only two well there are three girls who are bond girls in this Mm -hmm. you have domino you have fiona who's technically not a bond girl even though he does have sex with her and then you have his then you have paula who we didn't even speak about who was his partner who gets captured and they torture her she dies she kills herself as opposed to telling the plan which is actually kind of noble but not too much they they tone down the bond girl in this one severely Mm -hmm. this one's like domino and james are flirting and but it's not sexy well it's a little sexy but not too much so anyway i think it's still an excellent bond film it's just not my favorite and out of the four bond films Mm. i think that this one is tied with from russia with love at this point it's not as good as dr no not as good as dr no or goldfinger because this one well actually eh, i'll put this one above dr no i think tied with dr no right because this one sets up Spectre so much more. It's a setup movie that's done so well. So what's your favorite so far? Goldfinger at this point. Okay. Even though I think Thunderball is a clo- is tied for close second with Dr. No. Because Dr. No is a menacing villain. I just love that movie. This one, it does set up a lot. And Largo is a great villain. I do like Largo. However, there's a lot of negatives to this film. The big one is this one institutes the this has got to be long films and it does drag. Like there's scenes where I was falling asleep. There were parts of it that definitely dragged. And it's very speech heavy and just kind of... 
like they tried to put too much into it. And I like exposition, don't get me wrong, but this one was rough. However, it was cool, and this one had the most gadgets so far. They went crazy with gadgets. Yeah. And this is the beginning of Insane Gadgets. And the other thing we should speak about is, of course, the opening theme. Thunderbolts by Tom Jones. Great song. It's got that whole thunderbolt. And the fact that he passed out while singing it is a testament to the song. <laughs> However, I wish there was someone named Thunderball in the movie. Or in the books. Like, Thunderball was referenced somewhere. It does isn't really referenced. Maybe if that was... Yeah, I don't really... Like, there's no... Operation me, there's no correlation with the name title in the movie. Yeah, like, uh, Operation Thunderball, or the device is the Thunderball device. Or, like, the bomb was called Thunderball, or, like, like there was no Thunderball. Yeah, this is the beginning of the... There, the name is not gonna match. However, so, out of our rating scale i'm gonna have to give this this one's a borrow from a friend it's good it's okay you watch it you enjoy it it's good it's got some great elements to it but it's It's still i say it's still a bond movie you know but it's not a it's not the the bond movie right to your point it's not that bond movie that you're gonna love it's a good one it's just not i think this is the weakest of the the sean connery bond films so far Yes. That's where I think. I think this is the weakest of the Bond, of the James Bond, uh, the Sean Connery films. But that's, that's, but that's still saying, like, you it's, know. It's still a great movie. It's yeah. still great. It's just. He's done better. He's done much better. Um, if you disagree with us, let us know. Xan uh, at Spyarkin.com. That's X-A-N at Spyarkin.com. Email us. Let us know what you think. And the random question of the day is going to be. Do you think that the sharks were a little too much to have in the pool? No, definitely not. I mean, this is the beginning of the the concept of sharks in, you know, the villains with the sharks. And then, of course, Austin Powers, the homage is sharks with lasers. On their heads. This is the beginning of even villains need sharks. I mean, but but then earlier we had, we had um, what did we have before this? It was, did we have anything like sharks? They had... Piranhas. No, 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 Piranhas is the next one. Oh. They had... Not really. No. This is the first setting up the the natural uh, threat. However, so there were good elements of it, but we'll figure it out in the next episode. Um, anyway, I think that's it. Um, anything else about the Bond movies? Mm, uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, where would you put um, Domino versus Pussy Galore, uh, Tatiana, and um, Honey Rider? I like Domino probably the best because she's like honest about it. She's like, hey, yes, he's not my uncle. He's my benefactor. And I love my brother. And this is, what's, this is how I ended up in life and blah, blah, blah. But like Honey Rider had the iconic bikini like that will always be referenced but i didn't like how she was so fake ditzy yeah you know um domino was ditzy too though because she was like when she got caught she just immediately was she was pretty ditzy though she wasn't like oh i taught myself by reading the encyclopedia and i'm up to tea now like it's not like she she's in my eyes she's smart and she made the most out of 
what she had to work with. Yes, she did. She she made her point, and unlike Tatiana... I think she's pretty. She's got great outfits. She's, you know... Yeah, she had a huge amount of outfits, unlike all the rest of the girls. She's what I want out of a sexy Bond girl. Well, I think we're going to get into more interesting ones later on, but we're going to have to wait and see. Yes. So, with that in mind guess that's it uh stay tuned for more episodes from this podcast we're talking about a lot of really cool things we've got some cool manga reviews and supposedly in the future we're gonna be talking about a certain movie starring margot robbie where she pretends to be a psychotic clown yeah (laughs) i really don't want to review that movie but i think we're gonna have to yeah uh so with that in mind i'm greta and i'm your host zan we are gonsville catch you guys next time keep watching awesome bond movies and we're gonsville See ya. Bye. He always runs while others walk. He acts while other men just talk. His needs are more, so he gives less. They call him the winner who takes all, and he strikes.
is in operation. And what an operator he is in Ian Fleming's Thunderbolt. Have you seen everything you came to see? Go back to your friends and report. Tell them the little fish I throw back into the sea. Thunderbolt stars Claudine Auger. Young, beautiful, trapped. Could be dangerous. What sharp little eyes you've got. Wait till you get to my teeth. Adolfo Celli, smooth, silent. Spectre's agent of death. Luciana Paluzzi, lovely to look at, murderous to know. Friends of yours, no doubt. Come in. 007, danger sign for the world's most famous gentleman agent with a license to kill and license to thrill. 007, guarantee sign of prompt delivery, night and day service. Ravishing redheads. Blondes, brunettes, honey blondes, the Bond women, 007 style. of today's greatest entertainment. Why don't you come with us quietly? You don't seem to understand. You see, I enjoy my dancing. sits this one out. She's just dead. <laughs> 